0: I don't think we have that much to talk about today on the college football daily, but we're going to give it our best shot. Good morning. It is Monday, December 6th. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined by Lance Glenn, our producer. Lance, I'm already slurring my words and shaking off the cobwebs. still on Sunday afternoon. As we sit here recording, we've got the playoff results are out as far as the semifinals go. We've got the coaching carousel spinning. We've got Quinn Ewers in the transfer portal. You know, we've got, we've got a lot going on, man. So, uh, thanks for joining me. And, uh, Give me your uh your your quick your quick take right now on Cincinnati plus fourteen uh, or uh, Michigan plus seven and a half. Look, I'm so tired. I read those lines wrong, but but you you get the drill. First and foremost, thanks for having me on. Um,
1: Cincinnati plus fourteen. It's crazy how big that is for a playoff. Obviously, they're playing Alabama, and we all watched Alabama just dismantle Georgia, but. You know, to, to think a playoff game, Alabama a two score, and I wouldn't be shocked by a kickoff over a two score favorite. My guess is that line probably moves up in favor of Alabama. And regarding Michigan, Georgia, I'm even surprised that game is a, as big as it is. You know, Michigan, obviously, Iowa, Iowa can't score. We know that Georgia, much better offense than Iowa. But, Michigan is, I think, a lot better team than than most people expected them to be, obviously coming into this season. And with all the question marks with Georgia now, after watching them against Alabama, you know, you and I were texting late last night, who's even going to play quarterback for Georgia? You know, that's kind of come back into the stratosphere of could they possibly go to JT Daniels? Are they going to stick with Stetson Bennett? So I think more question marks for Georgia than Michigan. That's why I was surprised that that
0: line was so big to open. I do think Alabama was that big of a favorite against Notre Dame last year. And we'll just go ahead and get into it. Alabama versus Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl in Arlington. I was talking to Blake Brockermeyer about this a few days ago. He did a story scouting Cincinnati. And he was like, look, they've got NFL players everywhere. Sauce Gardner at corner. We know Myjai Sanders at defensive end. They have great linebackers. We know who Desmond Ritter is at quarterback. Their one weakness, Lance, the offense line. You, you take an offensive line that's, that's not that great and you ask for it for four quarters to withstand Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, Phil Mathis in the middle, and not only run the ball and establish the run with former Tide running back Jerome Ford, but give, give Ritter enough time back there to match Bryce Young shot for shot. That's going to be tough. I think, I think Cincinnati can cover that, and, and we don't want to make this into a Vegas show. We can do that all later, but it's it's going to be a high-scoring game, and I think that, that could be really the one kryptonite for Cincinnati there. Bryce Young, man, uh, look, we're both going to cash his Heisman futures in a few days. Do you think Alabama versus Georgia, and and we'll talk Georgia-Michigan in a little bit, I, I do want to talk about some of the games. I, I think we were all kind of reminded that quarterbacks win championships. We all spent the season thinking, okay, Georgia, best defense since 2011, doesn't matter who's a quarterback. I think it does. I think it yeah. does, man. And yeah. and and, and Setson Bennett, it was not all on him. If Georgia's defense could have prevented a shutout, Stetson Bennett would have been fine. And it can, or shootout, I should say. It could probably win that game against Michigan without Stetson Bennett, but I think you have to get JT in the mix at least to get ready for an Alabama game. So it's just like so many fun storylines, not to mention all the new blood. As Michigan makes a playoff for the first time, Cincinnati becomes the first G5 team to ever do it.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. Quarterbacks definitely win championships. And I think we're seeing that at all levels. Obviously, the cliche is offense wins games, defense wins championships. But That's that's really old football. New football is, you know, offense wins games, offense wins championships. I mean, it's, it's, it's just that simple. And specifically, obviously, with offense comes the quarterback. The best quarterback more times than not is going to win the game. And obviously, Bryce Young is far and away a better quarterback than Stetson Bennett. And look, like you said, this loss is not all on Stetson Bennett. You know, Georgia's defense just got dismantled. Bryce Young really from the start. I mean, obviously it was a Georgia lead going into, I think the second quarter and then Alabama really started to get it going, but you saw Stetson Bennett pick six. You saw what Bryce Young to Jamison Williams could do. And Stetson Bennett just doesn't have that ability to do that, nor does he have the weapon. He doesn't have a weapon like Jamison Williams, unfortunately, and, and not many teams do, but you see what Bryce Young can do when he is on his game and he just, his Ceiling is so much higher than Stetson Bennett's. And when you see Bryce Young reach his ceiling compared to what Stetson Bennett can do, you just see the difference between the two teams. And and look, Bryce Young, like you said, we're gonna cash his Heisman futures. I'm I'm pumped about that, obviously. But man, he put on just a, a show yesterday against what was and what still is probably the best defense in the country. And, and they just looked like they had no answer for him. They couldn't stop him. And and Bryce Young just he he put on a clinic, and, and that's really all you can say about it.
0: Michigan versus Iowa, 42 to three. They scored f- 21 fourth-quarter points. Kind of garbage time, felt like. I-, I actually think they were stumped a bit in the first half by Iowa's defense, and it's felt like they th- – in fact, the only two touchdowns they scored in the first half, one was a trick play. Donovan Edwards would be the best quarterback on Iowa's roster, the, the third-string Michigan running back, who threw a great touchdown pass. And then and then you had the touchdown on in, in what was probably a Silla Josh Gaddis opening script. So a little trouble there as they run into a Georgia team that is going to be superior to them – in the trenches, which is where Michigan's going to have to to win. I don't love that matchup for Michigan, Lance. I don't. I think Cade McNamara is going to have to avoid any turnovers and they're going to have to get a little bit more from the outside receivers. Low scoring game, but if you're Michigan, yeah, it's just you're facing the mirror image of yourself, but the team looking back at you is a little bit better at what you like to do.
1: Yeah, no, and, and you look at Michigan and 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 Georgia. And Michigan, obviously, they're a team that loves to establish the run. You know, they their offense feeds off that running game. And then you look at Georgia's defense. The strength of that defense is the front seven. So you're going up against Michigan's running game against Georgia's front seven. That's really going to be the key to who wins that game. If Michigan's able to establish a run, look, they have the upper hand. Alabama, I think, was able to do that at times yesterday. And and that really stretched Georgia's secondary. And obviously, Georgia's secondary wasn't able to keep track uh, of Jamison Williams, of John Mechie before obviously he got hurt. But if, if Georgia's defense and that front seven is able to stop Michigan's run, then it's going to put a lot of pressure on Cade McNamara. And I don't think Cade McNamara has felt that kind of pressure yet this season. Obviously, you'd think that maybe he would have done it against Ohio State, but Michigan really, I mean, Hassan Haskins, five touchdowns against Ohio State. That's all you need to know about how Michigan was able to run the ball. But he really hasn't faced that kind of pressure. On his shoulders yet this year. So it'll be interesting to see if it does come to where Georgia can stop Hassan Haskins, can stop Blake Quorum. And then all the pressure gets thrown on Cade McNamara and those receivers. It'll be interesting to see how they respond because we just we haven't seen that yet from Michigan's quarterback.
0: I think overall, all in all, two very fun semifinals. Very, very good stuff. And a lot of people, I actually can't believe that we've still got Georgia and Alabama in the playoff here, but and and not to dunk on Notre Dame here. I guess in the end of the, at the end of the day, I'm sort of glad that Alabama won because I would rather spend four hours with Bryce Young than I would with the Notre Dame offense or even the Baylor offense. Let's, let's talk about a few of those other conference championship games. Lance, just give them like you know, 30 seconds of sunshine. You don't even have to, to fire back unless you've got something hot. But Baylor 21, Oklahoma State 16. Would have been interesting to see what happens if Oklahoma State had won this game, which they could have on the last second would that ugly win have been enough? I don't know. Spencer Sanders threw four interceptions. Oklahoma State's got that great defense, but they're going to have to figure out their offense next year. Baylor I'm buying all the Dave Aranda stock in the world. It's probably a little bit high right now, regardless, but he's awesome. Uh, Good for the Bears. They won the basketball national championship a few months ago and now win the Big 12 football championship and matches Texas all time for Big 12 championships, which is just insane if you know anything about Baylor and where they've come. In the ACC pit in Wake Forest, it was 21-14 Wake Forest after the first quarter. Wake Forest did not score again. Sam Hartman... Had a little bit of an unraveling. Felt like last year's ball game felt bad for him. Pretty much, uh, essentially, two straight pick sixes at, at one point late in the, late in the uh, in the second half. So, so Pitt wins the ACC there. I think they were the better team, deserved to do it. Maybe we'll see if Kenny Pickett gets to New York. We'll find out tonight because the Heisman finalists are announced tonight. Lance, we also had. What else did we have? Oh. Brent Venables on his way to Oklahoma, reportedly the Clemson defensive coordinator. And with Clemson offensive coordinator, Tony Elliott, getting Virginia and Duke looks, yeah, it's it's fair to question what happens to the Tigers now. And I, I would say that they're going to sorely miss Brent Venables. Defense kept them afloat this season. But a possible change of offensive coordinator would be very good for a program that's gotten a little bit stale. We will see if Davos Sweeney can reinvent himself in his program. Can he go to the portal? Can he change your recruiting tactics a little bit? And it it doesn't have to be a, a death wish, Lance, to to change coordinators. Nick Saban does it every year and, and seems to be just fine. But what is your reaction from the Oklahoma side of things with it looking like them getting Brent Venables is, is very much finally going to happen?
1: Well, yeah. First, I mean to echo your statement. I think on the offensive side of the ball for Clemson, this is a blessing in disguise, really. Even if it's you can even make an argument that's in disguise. I mean, it's just a blessing. Frankly, uh, if Tony Elliott ends up getting either Duke or Virginia, that they have to bring in a new offensive coordinator it will be interesting to see what they do if they stay in house or if they, oh, man. Outside. If they stay in-house. Maybe <sighs> the outside stay
0: in house. Maybe even
1: maybe more defensively if they stay in house defensively, uh, or they look for someone um, on the outside. But from the from the Oklahoma perspective, and I spoke with Steve Wilfong. Uh, you can listen to our emergency episode on the twenty four seven Sports Football Recruiting Podcast about uh, Brent Venables to Oklahoma. And and he thinks this is really a, a great hire for the Sooners. I mean, Brent Venables obviously a big name. He's spoken with a lot of Oklahoma recruits. They love Brent Venable, specifically Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy. He said his family loves the Venables hire. That's Oklahoma's highest rated recruit and, and their highest rated defensive recruit in a long time, if not maybe even ever. He obviously is going to help continue to build that defense that Alex Grinch was building when Link- when you know Lincoln Riley was still the head coach. It'll be interesting to see what he does offensively. obviously some hot names are a guy like Jeff Levy. but the thing with Venables is he knows, what it takes to recruit in Oklahoma. He knows what it takes to recruit that general area, having been the defensive coordinator under Bob Stoops for over a decade. So Venables is going to fit in just fine there. He's going to do a great job everywhere he's been. He's, he's been fantastic. And obviously he's built up Clemson into one of the best defenses in the country since he got there. So I I think Bob's, I think uh, Brent Venables is going to be fantastic at Oklahoma. It might take a, you know, a couple of years to really rebuild that roster after the attrition that they had, but I I, I think he's going to
0: to have Oklahoma uh, humming in the SEC uh, whenever they do get there. And the attrition, that's an interesting point. They've been crushed in the portal. I will say though, as we record here, I, I you know Matt Rule. Fired Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator of the Panthers. What if Brent Venables, who is an extremely hands-on defensive guy, and I can't even see him like coaching the offense based on like the way he coaches defense on the sidelines. I think he'll just be sitting with his with his troops when his offense takes the field. Throw whatever money you need to at Joe Brady. You tell him to coach up that Oklahoma offense. I know they want Jeff Lebby too. Caleb Williams wanted to play for Joe Brady, and and LSU was at one point, I believe, the leader for Caleb Williams because of Joe Brady. That staff man, if you can turn, if you're Venables, you're dying to turn over the offensive side of the football to someone who can take it and run with it. I think Joe Brady very much good because he did it two years ago.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, And again, Jeff Flabby, obviously he has that Oklahoma connection. That's why he's been a a popular name and what he and Lane Kiffin did with with Matt Corral over the, the last couple of seasons, you know, really resurrected his career. My thing with Joe Brady, if we're on that is why not go back to LSU? you know, what, what's to say mm-hmm. Joe Brady, Brian Kelly, most of his Notre Dame staff decided to stay at Notre Dame and not follow him. Obviously he offered, or it was reported that he offered Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese jobs at LSU. Obviously Marcus Freeman ended up becoming Notre Dame's head coach and Tommy Reese is staying with the Irish. So he needs an offensive coordinator. He needs most of his staff. Joe Brady, he knows a thing or two about LSU and about running an offense at LSU. So, Hey, why not? If you're Brian Kelly, reach out Brian Kelly and his Southern accent, why not reach out? to Joe Brady and say, hey, want to come back to LSU, whether it's for one year or two years or three years until maybe he gets a college job. But I I think that's a, a natural fit for Joe Brady to possibly come back to college football.
0: Well, I will say, though, going back to the LSU under Brian Kelly is going to feel a little bit different than the LSU under Ed Orgeron. Lance, you know, if well, look, Brian a, a Kelly's little, trying. We've Kelly.
1: We've seen Kelly obviously trying to acclimate himself to that to that Louisiana flavor um, with, with his basketball uh, speech oh, at, at halftime. But uh, um, hey, look,
0: yeah, no, I, I can't wait to see what happens there. We don't want to drag this on too long. You're you're a busy guy. Uh, you want to tee me up for a Quinn Ewers reaction here as he as he is uh, finding himself uh, his way around Lubbock today well yeah i mean look
1: i i saw that and that surprised me because i thought and i'm sure you're hoping um as an alumni that he finds his way to austin what are your thoughts i guess on quinn Ewers going to lubbock with uh with uh their new head coach coach mcguire as opposed to visit and look he still might visit austin but you know lubbock got the first shot texas tech got
0: the first shot we'll see where it goes i guess all right, so I have a few things I do not want it to seem like sour grapes now that you've, you know, mentioned the the Texas connection for me. So, first of all, Texas Tech makes a lot of sense for Quinn Ewers when you think about the non on the field situation Lance. They have a lot of money, right? And Quinn Ewers, and I agree with this or disagree with this? Because I've got, you know, I've I know people who think it's time for him to stop worrying about the NIL because his decision to reclassify was not smart. And it's time to stop worrying about the potential money and go to a place where you can get enough reps, which he will do at Texas Tech, but but really have an NFL infrastructure to get ready for the league in two years, because the money you make in the league is going to dwarf the money you make in NIL. Regardless, plenty of money at Texas Tech, a lot of oil money, no, no concerns there if you're Texas Tech trying to drop an NIL back. Joey McGuire, their new head coach by way of Baylor, formerly a legendary high school football head coach in the state of Texas, that matters to the state, all right? He's going to look like he's going to hire Zach Kitley, the Western Kentucky offensive coordinator who just turned Bailey, Bailey Zappi uh, into an NFL draft selection, most likely, and would have put up insane numbers with Quinn Ewers. Texas Tech is a place that's known for putting up numbers with quarterbacks, well before Patrick Mahomes. I mean... Cliff Kingsbury. It's kind of the OG Texas Tech QB. Um, and then they, they had a long line of them in the air raid. So that it, it absolutely fits the culture of West Texas. And, and Ewers and Mahomes are close. They share a trainer. So we'll see. My other thing though with Ewers is what does he prioritize, Lance? like, What do you think Quinn Ewers is prioritizing here? Do you know that Joey McGuire and Zach Kittley are going to get you ready for the league better than a Steve Sarkeesian? And I know I sound whatever there, but... Or even like a Ryan Day, and I know you just left there, or like a Lincoln Riley at USC. Like, you have to be sure that Texas Tech is the best place, not for you in the next year or two, and have a great time out in Lubbock and and be the next god. But you have to make sure that this is a, a, a business decision that's not going to backfire on you. And if I'm in Quinn Ewers' camp, I'm a little like, hey man, like we did the whole weird stopover in Ohio State deal, like we did that, like we don't need to go like overthink this. Let's go to a place, and I don't know if it's Texas, Lance. Like I, I, because you Texas went five and seven, doesn't have an offensive lineman to speak of, and has one receiver target in Xavier Worthy. Though I think Quinn Ewers is probably confident he can he can lure who, wherever he wants to go. He can lure whoever he wants wherever he goes. But if I'm him, I'm I don't know if Texas Tech makes the most sense from a from a future standpoint beyond the next two years.
1: Yeah, and I think you have to look at weapons. I think weapons matters as well. You know, obviously, I, I think you were worried. Those worries have since been squashed about Bijan John Robinson and his future at Texas. He obviously will be back uh, next season. I know. I think there was uh, some worry from you, at least, that he could enter the yeah. portal after this. Why, and this why not? Season. Because all these, yeah, yeah, all these guys are. Yeah, uh, but but he's uh, a better running back uh, than whatever Texas Tech is throwing out there. Uh, Xavier Worthy as well. Better receiver than whatever Texas Tech is throwing out there. So I think when you look at weapons, you'd think Texas favors Texas Tech in that regard. But like you said, the high school relationships matter. What Texas plans to do at quarterback in future classes matter. Obviously with Arch Manning, possibly looming if he decides to go to Texas. So well, there's so many factors in play here when it comes to Quinn Ewers. But like you said, if, if Quinn Ewers does decide to go uh, to Texas Tech, he he would be a god. He would be the guy. But look with 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 Texas Tech, we're thinking of Texas Tech with Patrick Mahomes, with Cliff Kingsbury, with Mike Leach, and this air raid and this 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 high flying, uh, high scoring offense. We don't know as of right now. Maybe you'd have better insight because you're in you're you're from Texas. You know more about Texas high school football than I do. Maybe you'd have better insight as to what Joey McGuire plans to do at Texas uh, Texas Tech. Does he plan to kind of follow that same model? Of a high-flying air raid attack yeah. at Texas Tech, or is he going to try to change it up a little bit
0: and become more balanced? No, if he's bringing in Kitley from Western Kentucky, he's going back to the air raid. And there, look, there is something about there is something about the air raid out in West Texas, man. But I will also say, if if Texas and OU jump to the SEC in a few months, and Texas Tech becomes a uh, an essential. In the Big 12, you know, what do we call the new Big 12? I don't know. Cincinnati probably props it up a little bit. Is it a true Power 5 or 6 conference or Power 5, I should say? I don't know. So, like, does that matter at all to him? I don't know. I Texas is Texas, a great place. You're going to have a fun time. You're going to be an absolute rock star. You're going to lead the country in passing. Is that what you want? So, I don't know. I, and, it's, and, it's, it's been hard. And it, look, the Texas fans on the Horns 24-7 message board, I've been texting with Mike Roach about this a little bit. They're trying not to get too invested. This kid's already hurt them once. If the, the guy who was once the savior of your program hits the open market and then chooses the school that you look at as your little brother over you when you have hired Steve Sarkeesian to be your head coach, and Steve Sarkeesian, the one who you know turned Mac Jones into a first round pick and recruited Bryce Young to Tuscaloosa, and he can't get you, Quinn, yours.
1: Well, I think I think what you have to look at too is how much does winning matter to Quinn? Because if Texas, hypothetically, and we don't know yet, bolts to the SEC for next season they will have a tougher time in the SEC in their first couple of seasons, I think, than Texas Tech will have in the Big 12. Now, I'm not saying Texas Tech is going to you know, vault to a Big 12 championship level over the next two seasons with Joey McGuire. But I think Texas, unless they make major moves in the transfer portal, is going to, for the first couple of years at least in the SEC, have a tougher time winning games. And assuming that Quinn only plays for two more seasons because then he would obviously be draft eligible are those two seasons going to be struggles for Texas in the SEC or bigger struggles for Texas in the SEC hmm. than Texas Tech will have in the Big 12? So if winning is a big factor for Quinn, as great opposed point. to just putting up stats or, or getting NIL deals, then that needs to be taken into consideration too. Because like I said, unless Texas makes major moves in the transfer portal, they struggle obviously this past season in the Big 12. The SEC is a whole nother level. You got to assume they're going to struggle again.
0: That's a great point. And we'll wrap this up here because as far as yours goes, I'm I'm glad you said that. Texas has become the joke the meme. Do you want to be the face of the joke, right? Do you want to be the face of the four and eight team? Probably not. So maybe you, maybe you just made Quinn Ewers' argument for him. Anything yeah. else, Lance? Anything else going on out there? Not much over here. Uh, not much here in New Jersey. I'll
1: tell you that much. Yeah. Do they so, care? Does New Jersey care about Quinn Ewers? I don't think no, much. College football. Uh, college football. Some of us do. I do. Obviously, as you know, and obviously as all our listeners know, I will say one thing. I want to mention about Oklahoma and Baylor, Oklahoma State and Baylor. Obviously, all the signs are going to point to that last drive. Baylor's goal line stand. But don't forget in that second half too, Oklahoma State had first and goal at the two and couldn't score. They ended up getting a field goal out of it, but they couldn't score a touchdown. Had they scored a touchdown on one of those two drives, whether it was that first one in the second half or it was that last one in the second half where they had first and goal at the two, they would have won that game. So props to Baylor defense for not only stopping Oklahoma State in that final drive to win the Big 12 title game, but also earlier in the second half to hold them to a field goal when they had first and goal at the two after a pass interference and stopping them both
0: times in that Big 12 championship game ended up leading to obviously them winning it all. And I'll I'll also continue that thread, Lance. Oklahoma State scored one offensive touchdown, right? And it was on a eight play 36 yard drive when Dave Aranda went for it on fourth down from the 36 and did exactly what Auburn did a few weeks ago with TJ Finley going play action pass on a fourth and inches that you could easily get. Yep. Yep. So memo to the coaches. We love when you go for it. You don't have to get that fancy though. You just run the ball. All right, Lance, this is good stuff. Uh, Everyone came in expecting college football playoff reaction. We gave them Quinn Ewers and I actually, you know what? Go look at the traffic numbers on our website. I think we're onto something. We're all week. What, what's what's on the docket this week, Lance? We've got, we've got a special project coming out Monday, so don't spoil it. Actually, we can't spoil it. We've got the True Freshman All-American team coming out in a few hours. You can check it out on 24-7 Sports. We'll do an episode on that. But you also want to make sure that we're doing bowls, full bowl recap, Lance, as well. Maybe with Brad Crawford and, well, we got Heisman Talk as well. So another busy week here. Yeah,
1: another busy week on the college football daily. As always, make sure you you stay tuned into it. Make sure you stay in stay tuned into all our great content over at 247sports.com. We got like you said true freshman all-American, we got bowls, coaching carousel check-in because obviously that's going to continue carousel. Heisman preview. I mean, we just got so much going on, so much in college football even as the regular season comes to Signing the day in a week. Exactly. <laughs> It never ends, and it never—try it never ends for me and you, man. Look, wow. we're on the weekends. It, we're we're, we're doing podcasts. Us. You're writing articles. You're editing articles, man. It doesn't stop. I just want one day where I'm just like, no coaching carousel, nothing. Could take a rest. Could watch some football. But here we are.
0: In a few more weeks, Lance. We'll get that. All right, man. Thanks for thanks for talking to me. Thanks everyone for listening to College Football Daily. We'll talk to you on Tuesday.